We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Welcome, neighbors, to Hometown Earth, the podcast that brings a down-to-earth approach to all of your sustainability questions. I'm your host, Lena Sanford, here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here, we believe that everyone can change the world. Do you believe? I'm a Midwest gal with big dreams to discover what it takes to reduce my impact on this beautiful place we call Hometown Earth. Join me every Tuesday as we navigate what actions we can take, big or small, to make a positive impact in your life and the lives of your neighbors on Hometown Earth. All right, y'all, I've been slowly waiting for the perfect opportunity to talk about my dogs because like most crazy pet people, I can talk about my dogs for hours and I think I finally found my moment. Cat people, stick around because I have tips for you too. But I have two adopted and very much spoiled girls, Indy, and she's a black cocker spaniel, and then Elena, who is a black and white polka dotted pit mix. And they're beautiful. They're my pride and joy. They both have unique personalities and really compassionate hearts that make me love each of them like they were my own children. I know that's a pet peeve for somebody, but it's true. They are. I know if you're listening to this episode, you probably have a pet too and get it. But actually, 67% of U.S. households or about 85 million families own a pet, with the large majority of those being cats and dogs. Worldwide, that number skyrockets, with 470 million dogs kept as pets and about 370 million pet cats. That's just crazy, right? Well, recently I started thinking, how can I make sure that my pets are healthy and stay with me for as long as possible without just saying, well, I took them for a walk every day and, you know, just kind of patting myself on the back. Don't you want the same long, healthy life for your companion? Okay, good. We're on the same page. Now, if you've been paying attention, you've started to see a trend that is threading through these episodes between health and the health of our planet. Well, that just doesn't relate to people, but our four-legged friends as well. Their health also relates to planetary health in the way their products are produced and what's in them. It's all a cycle. So I started digging into how I can be a more sustainable pet owner, and I wanted to share with you what I found. Our domesticated pets have a carbon footprint or paw print just like us. In fact, it is estimated that a medium-sized dog can have the carbon footprint twice the size of an average-sized SUV. And cats, they land about the carbon footprint of a Volkswagen Golf. From the food that they eat to how they play and lounge and yes, how they poop, our companions carry a serious toll on the planet, and we talk about it all in this episode. So let's talk about step one. Let's dive right in. What are we feeding our pets? For most of us, our pets are like family, but while we work to improve our own health through food, 
we forget to do the same for our dogs and just kind of buy whatever looks best on the shelf at the store that we go to. And I'm pointing a finger at myself here. (laughs) What we feed our pets is one of the most important ways to be sustainable because what goes in matters as well as what comes out. But we'll get to that a little later. For decades, low-grade pet food made from excess parts of factory-farmed animals was the norm. Most of the common brands are filled with preservatives, hormones, and chemicals with filler ingredients that don't actually benefit your pet's health. But now, more sustainable, healthy options are coming on the market for you to consider. In simplest terms, looking for higher quality food with the least amount of artificial preservatives and chemicals is key. You want to avoid foods with propylene glycol, BHA, BHT, and ethoxyquin, and low-quality fillers like corn and soy products, and search for simple meat and vegetable ingredients with a healthy source of fat, buying organic if possible, although there aren't that many certified organic options out there for a competitive price. But it is something to consider if you're looking at cheaper vet fills and a longer, healthier life for your pet. And none of this search is made easier by vague ingredient lists and misleading marketing terms from pet food companies. That's right, greenwashing doesn't just happen for human products, but also for pet products. I'm looking at you, quote unquote, natural labeling. The FDA technically has regulations on pet food, but it really isn't meaningful regulations that allow for assurance of actual quality food to make it to your pet's bowl. Because since there's no requirement that pet food products have pre-market approval by the FDA, and there's no means of enforcing those regulations that are in place, it's good to do your own research on the food that you're buying and where it's sourced from. USDA certified meat is something that's good to look for because what's typically in foods is something that says meat or bone meal or animal byproduct meal. It's really just a conglomerate of hair, horns, hide, and other discarded parts of animals where The species of animal doesn't even have to be disclosed most of the time. Going down this rabbit hole of information was particularly unpleasant, and I will save you those details to look up for yourself. But just know there are a lot of unknowns when it comes to pet food. So look for companies providing clear information on their food label or their website. Since it's hard to say that one food is better for your animals than another, there are sites out there like dogfoodadvisor.com, which ranks the best dog foods by stars based on which have the least byproducts, preservatives, or anonymous meat ingredients, as well as looking at if the company actually tests for nutrient content and impurities, as well as availability, reviews, and recalls. It's good if the company says where their food is sourced from because by federal law, it's actually not required and can come from places with unreliable food standards if you're not careful. And catfooddb.com is about the equivalent of Dog Food Advisor, rating by ingredients and nutritional value. Or if you're in the store, you can use the app Safe Pet Treats to get a rundown of the food you're buying by scanning the barcode. So since I'm doing this investigation myself, I'm on the same journey as y'all, I put my dog food up to the test. I buy Purina Benefuls. It's just always been an easy option at the store, kind of a go-to, just (laughs) perusing the aisles. And my dogs like it, so I never really thought about changing it up too much until now. 
I went to look at the bag and it touts real farm-raised beef as the number one ingredient, along with no artificial flavors, energy-fueling whole grains, and 22 grams of protein per cup. Sounds good, right? Well, knowing what I know now, I definitely won't be buying beef, but farm-raised stuck out to me because it really isn't a term that means anything significant unless it is defined a little bit more because that term has no regulations on the use, and all food is technically raised on a farm. So it could be a really big factory farm or small farm, sustainable or not. I went to the Purina website and found a lot of information on their sustainable practices in shipping and packaging, sustainable fish sourcing, and low-waste facilities, but really not much to specify on their farm-raised claims. Either way, I was actually pretty impressed. Next, I went to Dog Advisor and looked up the food that I buy. The second ingredient is corn, which is really a non-nutritional filler like I mentioned earlier. The same as for the fourth ingredient, wheat. Then it goes on to list poultry byproduct meal and chicken byproduct meal, which like we talked about earlier is all of the rendered products left from the slaughterhouse and can include a handful of undesirable things. But it does have high protein levels, which probably contributed to the 22 grams of protein per cup. It does contain artificial color additives and a controversial form of vitamin K that Dog Advisor says can be linked to liver toxicity, allergies, and the abnormal breakdown of red blood cells. All of this together leads to it having a three-star rating out of five. So I definitely plan on transitioning to something better for my girls and the planet. And this is your regular reminder that no one is perfect. We all have to start somewhere, including me. Now, all of the information I stated above applies to your treats as well. For instance, even rawhide chews, which most people buy, are processed like leather products using harsh chemicals such as lye, bleach, and covered in artificial flavorings. And they're actually really hard for your pet to digest. So you need to make sure you're buying natural, digestible treats that are sustainably sourced. I know that all of this is a little bit overwhelming and still not reassuring to a lot of people, including myself. So another option for treats and food is making the food yourself if you have the time and the extra little bit of cash. You could meal prep for your pet once a week using organic ingredients so you know exactly what your pet is eating and that it's healthy for them without the chemicals and preservatives. But just be sure to talk to your veterinarian first. Some easy treat ideas for dogs specifically that are low calorie could include apples without the core or seeds, carrots, broccoli, green peas, or green beans. So like I said before, what goes in must come out. So if you're feeding your pet foods that are high in preservatives and low in nutrients, that's exactly what's going to come out in the form of pet waste. I know that cleaning up pet waste is the part of having a pet that no one enjoys, but it is one of the most important ways to be a sustainable pet owner, and it's step two. I mentioned earlier about the shocking number of pets that are on this globe, so you can imagine that's a lot of waste. Particularly, one of the studies I looked at showed that if all of the feces from U.S. dogs and cats, not including kitty litter and bags, were disposed of as garbage, their feces would be the equivalent of the total garbage produced by 6.63 million Americans, or approximately the population of Massachusetts. The pet waste problem is twofold. 
with the bacteria caused by the waste, but then you've got the issue of the method of disposal, both of which are harmful to the planet. If you're a dog owner, you're likely picking up twice a day, which is about 700 plastic bags and about 365 pounds of poo per year, per dog. And if you're a cat owner, you're ranging between 30 to 40 pounds of litter and waste per month. We know that picking up after your dog is important because that waste ultimately breaks down and goes into our local water systems, which is bad for a few different reasons. It causes excessive algae growth in streams or lakes, which reduces oxygen and also releases compounds that are harmful to other animals who are depending on those water sources. It also contains bacteria, we're talking E. coli and salmonella, and parasites, which are big risks for humans. Then it comes to the method of disposal. We said for dog owners, you're throwing away an average of 700 plastic bags per dog, which is going to last centuries in a landfill. But what is the best way to dispose of it? I was actually pretty frustrated here because it seems like there really isn't a good accessible option for dog or cat waste. You know, most people, including myself, go to biodegradable poop bags, which is better than regular plastic, but it usually is misleading because there are unregulated guidelines on using the term biodegradable, so many of them don't break down within a year or sometimes ever. Oxobiodegradable is a term that a lot of companies use, but it just means that it's plastic that they mix with metal additives to help it break down faster into microplastics. And usually, even if they are the real deal biodegradable, if they're going to a landfill, they're still going to take years to break down due to the lack of oxygen that occurs in the piles of landfills that we have. There are also compostable and flushable poop bags, but most municipalities still don't allow flushing, and you can't compost your dog's waste the same as the rest of your compost. The two best options I found was to check with your municipality, and if they allow it, have a separate compost method for your dog's waste, which I will link in the show notes if you're interested, or to use a pet waste digester like the dog Dooley, which is a good choice if you have a yard because it kind of acts like a septic system for your dog's waste. But both of those are not really a realistic option for a lot of people. So I'd say if you can't afford it, buying plant-based biodegradable bags is the next best option. The U.S. certification to look for is ASTM D6400. I know that's a mouthful, but it means that they are breaking down completely without any microplastics. These should actually be commercially composted, but it's still a good option because at least it has the option of breaking down, and the product's life cycle will ultimately be less harmful than that of regular plastic. And I'll link some of the best options in the show notes. For my cat people, the same thing applies to contamination and parasites. Cat waste has a specific parasite, Toxoplasma gondii, which is a valid health concern for humans and especially animals like sea otters. Obviously, the best thing to do is have a litter box, but the most common kind of litter that's available is bentonite clay, which is collected through strip mining that destroys landscapes, forests, and wildlife habitats at the site of the mine. 
because they actually have to bulldoze all of the vegetation, topsoil, and dirt to drill pits so they can get to the minerals below, discarding everything in their wake to the side. This blew my mind to think of all of the damage just for your cat to use the bathroom on it once or twice and have it thrown away. And most of the litters you find in the store have silica dust, which is harmful to the respiratory issues of pets and to humans. So the type of cat litter that you buy is really important. There are tons of biodegradable options on the market that are chemical and dust-free, like pellets made from recycled paper, wood shavings, corn, grass seed, pine, and wheat, and are renewable, so it's better for the planet. I'll link some good options for that one as well, but there's one from Tofu Kitty that is made entirely of reclaimed food-grade plant-based ingredients that would otherwise end up in a landfill, which is really cool. When you're throwing away the litter, really the best option I found is to scoop the waste into biodegradable bags, not to put it in the toilet and you really can't compost it because it's not a feasible or safe option due to the fact that it has composting conditions that are difficult to achieve and take a few years before it's safe to go anywhere. I think we have a long way to go when it comes to finding a really good solution for pet waste, but for now, these tips can help. How long have you been using carton milk? I can say I have for a while now, so I was beyond excited when I found a new and easy way to make plant-based milk with Joy. Joy is a minimally processed nut base with no added sugar and comes in 100% recyclable packaging, unlike traditional plant-based milks. My homemade biscuits have never been fluffier, and my sauces have never been creamier, thanks to adding Joy. Mix it up how you like it, on your own terms. For 10% off of your purchase of Joy, visit addjoy.com, that's A-D-D-J-O-I.com, and type in the code Lena Samford. Now, on to the third step, which is usually the fun part for most pet parents. The toys, beds, apparel, and other supplies we use to spoil our pets. But are we actually spoiling them if we aren't checking what the product is made of? It's likely we're doing more harm than good. There was a study done by the Environmental Working Group revealing that our pets can be subjected to much higher levels of plasticizers, grease-proof chemicals, and fire retardants than humans. With the main sources being coated plastic food bags, plastic toys, pet beds, veterinary medicines, shampoos, and carpets, causing a slew of potential health issues like cancer, reproductive damage, and more. We also know that these chemicals are not good for the planet because they contaminate the air that we breathe, our soil, and our water systems. The first thing I would suggest that instead of going out and buying a new plastic toy for your pet to destroy is to find an existing animal-safe item at home that may work. For instance, old socks, I know we all have the set that doesn't have a matching pair, rope or old rags that you can make into braided rope toys or just leave them as is. Most of the time, your pet won't care. If you have a dog, maybe consider walking them more so they might not even need the toy to burn off excess energy. But if you're still wanting to buy toys, leave the traditional tennis balls behind and look for renewable materials like wood, hemp, organic cotton, or sustainably sourced rubber. You know, there are no regulations on dog toy safety unless they affect humans. 
Look for products that are BPA-free. Yep, that's the same stuff to worry about that's in the water bottles. And it can be in your pet products too. Another term you may see is phthalate-free, which refers to those harmful chemical plasticizers I mentioned earlier. The same thing goes for sustainable pet beds and apparel. Try to make sure you're using renewable materials. Some of these natural products can stand up to even the roughest of players, like my girl Elena. Chemicals in your pet shampoos and sprays are also noteworthy to avoid for the health of your pet since their skin is their largest organ. The most common ones to avoid are phthalates, artificial colors and fragrances, and parabens. And while we're still talking chemicals, make sure that when you're using flea and tick repellent that you consider non-toxic alternatives that leave organophosphates behind and get the job done just as well. You also want to make sure that any of these pet supplies that your precious pet doesn't want or use gets donated or reused so it doesn't go to a landfill. Most local animal shelters accept any donations, including pet toys, beds, water bowls, brushes and grooming tools, and more. Just make sure you clean the items before you donate them. If your local shelter won't take it, usually another non-for-profit will. Shelters are overrun with the overpopulation of dogs and cats, which leads to my final step and oftentimes the first step in the cycle of things, adoption and prevention. Whether you're looking now or considering another down the road, there are enough animals in shelters that we shouldn't be intentionally breeding any dogs and contributing to the mass amounts of overpopulation. We should be adopting. The ASPCA says that 6.5 million companion animals enter U.S. animal shelters nationwide every year, with approximately 1.5 million of those being euthanized every year. If you're looking for a specific dog, there are breed-specific rescues for almost every type of dog, and it is estimated that 25% of the dogs that enter shelters are actually purebred. You also want to make sure that whatever animal you have, you have them spayed and neutered, reducing the number of unwanted pets that are out there. And doing this as a preventative act actually increases their lifespan and health because it makes them less susceptible to infection and disease. So that's it, your four steps. And this week on Something to Grow On, I'm challenging you to pick one of these steps and investigate just a little bit further. Maybe that's finding out what's in your pet's food or looking into the ingredients that are in the chew toys you buy for old Fluffy, asking yourself why artificial coloring is harmful and maybe digging a little deeper there. Or maybe it's finding out how many shelter animals are in your town and how you can help. I'm drawn to the quote, In Nature, Nothing Exists Alone by Rachel Carson. Everything that we do, our pets, that every living thing in nature does, has an effect on something else and depends on something else in nature as well. We are all interconnected, so let's make sure the impact we are making is a good one. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Hometown Earth as much as I did. Let us know by rating and subscribing so you never miss an episode. New episodes drop every week on Tuesday. Head to the show notes linked in the episode description for more details and let us know in the comments what you want to hear next. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. 
And you can find more about the podcast on Instagram at Hometown Earth or connect with me at Lena Sanford. We all know change needs to happen. So let's get started right here at Hometown Earth. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.